down from the rafters. As everybody gathers together for kids' worship, a couple more on the way down. We continue life that matters. Today is Reign of Christ Sunday, otherwise known as Christ the King. It's a marker for the end of liturgical year. It's a way of saying we wrap up a year's worth of worship by claiming whose we are. We iterate our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ Christ for the transformation of the world. And what today's text in John tells us is that Jesus is a leader like no other. The rules by which other leaders lead don't apply to Jesus. To follow Jesus is to learn to be like Him. And in this story, it means being willing to embrace a complicated truth over a comfortable lie. So let's explore this exchange between Pilate and Jesus as he's on trial for his life. Two vastly different kingdoms with two very different Son of Gods come head to head as we finish a life that matters with everything that belongs. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, as we come into your presence now, we are, we are so thankful for the chance we have to, to hear this exchange, these words between a great world leader and the greatest leader of all the world in time. Lord, let's listen in and be able to hear what Jesus is really trying to say, not only to Pilate, but to all of us. Speak into our hearts on this day when we realize the reign of Christ more than ever is so important. And so, Lord, pour into the words that I say, pour into the words that we hear into our hearts. Let them be straight from your Holy Spirit this morning to our place of most need. In Jesus Christ's name I pray and everybody said together, Amen. Welcome to follow along with the U version. Um, had to do it really quick this morning. Had a rough weekend of trying to get everything done, but it's all there. I hope it's spelled correctly and will help you to be able to understand better this exchange. So today we mark the church's version of New Year's Eve. Next Sunday marks the start of Advent on Thanksgiving weekend. Yes, that's right. It sneaks up on you. Advent's not in December. It's in November. It's Christ the King. It's a day when we remember that Jesus is the King of our lives. It's not an ancient festival in the church like many of the others. In fact, it was only established by Pope Pius XI in 1925. But it was established in a time when Europe was in chaos. Inflation was rampant. The seeds of evil that would eventually grow into the Holocaust in World War II were being planted. And Pope Pius XI established the festival of Christ the King to declare that Christ is King. During some dark days after World War I and the war to end all wars. Now we also call it the Reign of Christ Sunday because we often know the earthly kings and that word king doesn't really sum up even Jesus in the way we use it in this world. And so our gospel text focuses on part two of the dialogue between Pilate 
in Jesus. And Pilate's questions should not be read as an individual seeking personal enlightenment. That's not Pilate's deal. He's not trying to figure out his life. And we shouldn't read them as a modern-day trial judge who's seeking to determine the facts of the case in order to determine guilt or innocence. Because Jesus was already guilty. Way back in John 11, when he restored Lazarus to life, that was it. He'd already been judged. And the trial that is happening now was to determine what the appropriate punishment would be, not his guilt or his innocence. So then Pilate entered the headquarters again and summoned Jesus. Pilate is the highest ranking Roman official in Jerusalem. And by re-entering his headquarters, now the story is moving from being out in the public space and the immediate participation of the Jewish leaders who are calling for Jesus' death to the questions and challenges that are no longer coming from the temple, from the Jews. Now they're between Jesus and Rome. And he asked him, Pilate, Are you the king of the Jews? And Pilate's question to him is both a hostile one and it's a political one. It was meant to have Jesus plead guilty to a charge and establish what sort of punishment is justified and required. It's also probably unwittingly insults all Jews by suggesting that a low-status Galilean, the lowest of the low, would ever be their king. And Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? You see, in those days, a low-status person would not reply to a superior's question with a question. That's really important because it tells us that Jesus' response to Pilate shows that Jesus does not see Pilate as a social superior in any way whatsoever. His question to Pilate, in effect, asks, Have you been following my career yourself? Are you one of my Instagram followers? Do you like me on Facebook? Do you have first-hand knowledge about me? And Pilate, of course, would only be following the career of superiors upon those whose shifting loyalties and rank would give his own life privileges. He's a power player. He knows how to play the Roman system. And Pilate replies, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? The interesting part is Pilate's response would have been seen as a loss of honor because he accepts Jesus' question, who shouldn't have asked it in the first place, and then he answers it. If he had done that out in public, it would have been a, he'd been ridiculed for that. But he doesn't do it out in public. And so he answers Jesus' question, I'm not a Judean. So having failed to get Jesus to plead guilty as charged, 
Pilate now demands that Jesus make a confession. What have you done? Not did you do anything. Notice this question assumes Jesus has done something, that he is guilty. The question is then, what is it you're guilty of, Jesus? You're not innocent. Your people brought you to me. And then Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So having bested Pilate in their exchanges in verse 33 and 34, now Jesus responds to the question asked first in verse 33. Notice that Jesus is not denied being a king. Just that his kingdom is not of this world. And the evidence for this is that his followers do not behave like the followers of the kings of this world. If they did, they would grab their swords and they would fight with force. And he makes it clear that they would if he was a king of this world. But Jesus was a king. Indeed, he is still a king. That's what Christ the King Sunday is all about. He's the king who comes to judge all the earthly kings and kingdoms themselves. He's the king of heaven and earth. He's full of grace and truth. He's our champion. He fights our battles for us. He sets us up to lead His kingdom on earth until He returns. And His kingdom occurs when we freely choose to serve Him in our lives. Amen? Which is in contrast to the worldly kingdom, you see, where its power is obtained by self-centeredness, looking out for yourself, by self-esteem, what title, position you hold. To love God is to become a humble by paying the, the price of, of leaving people free to be who they will be. To everyone who belongs. And in God's kingdom, everyone belongs. Everyone has a place no matter what their status is. And so Pilate, still looking for a guilty plea, asks again, so you are a king. Now, I wasn't in the room and I didn't hear Pilate's voice, but it seems that Pilate's question could also be translated as an accusation or a declaration. So you're a king. Or so, so you're a king? Same question. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. You see, Jesus didn't make the claim himself about himself. He wouldn't do that. But he accepts the declaration from Pilate without any kind of comment. And depending on where your loyalties lie, Jesus' response can be heard either as an acclamation by Pilate in Rome of Jesus' kingship or as a guilty plea by a dangerous upstart with a vision for a new political order that needed to be annihilated before there was any threat to Rome whatsoever. As quickly and as completely as possible. Jesus is almost certainly aware 
of the two meanings of his response. The one thing we always seem to forget is the cross was a political punishment, not a religious one. He only died on the cross for going against Rome, not the Jews. There was only one Son of God. As we learned about in our Wednesday night class every week. And that's the Emperor. And the good news came from the Emperor, not anyone else. And the sacrifice and the peace, Pax Romana, came from the Emperor, not the peace of God. And so he goes on, For this I was born... And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. You you want to talk about kingdoms? I, I want to talk about truth. That's where Jesus went with this king idea. The truth about living. The truth about faith. Truth about meaning and purpose. The truth about grace and reconciliation. The truth that Christ came to testify to. And everyone hear this. Hear this last part because this is what he says. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Amen? Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. So this conversation between Jesus and Pilate allows John to proclaim his gospel that Jesus is a king with divine authority. Jesus was accused by, to overthrow a plot to overthrow the government. He's being questioned by Pilate. And then this gives Jesus the chance to be able to tell his side of the story. And Jesus argues that his kingdom is founded on Truth. This is in great contrast to the earthly kingdoms like Pilate and Rome, which are founded on power. Those who are in power make the rules. That wasn't Jesus' kingdom. In Pilate's mind, truth was whatever the powerful said, it didn't matter whether it was true or not. If the powerful said it, it was true. If the emperor spoke, no matter what it was, it was the Son of God speaking. And the same is often true for us today. Jesus offered Pilate the same choice he offers us today. Advance your status on earth or walk in the light of truth. And the choice that we will make will determine which kingdom we will serve. God or the world because you can't serve both you see Jesus saw the world differently than the way the world sees the world he defied logic by the way that he lived and by the way that he taught he taught that truth is the cornerstone of healthy relationships and strong communities and if something or someone claims to be truth and has violent intentions or acts in an intimidating manner, then it's not truth. Truth may be attacked, but it cannot be harmed, you see. Truth can be attacked, but it cannot be harmed. It's not of this world. 
That's how the gospel speaks of truth. That's why John's gospel calls Jesus the true and living way. It's beyond our idea of truth. But it's hard for us to know what truth is in this world, isn't it? To make matters also hard, make matters worse, it's also hard to know who to trust in this world. There are few honest heroes anymore. There are few authority figures anymore we can trust. You can pick any figure you like, but just throw Lance Armstrong's name up there in the middle of that. Lots of people have fallen. Even the church, Bill Hybels. Everyone seems to have his or her own agenda nowadays. But truth is essential to life. Society needs integrity in order to survive. And so we must remember that we are citizens of another realm with a different ruler and a different rule. When it comes to spiritual things, truth is Christ. We leave behind anything else that has power over us. We follow the one who gives us freedom that no political power can grant. And this kingdom is one where Jesus will rule over our lives and the new heaven and the new earth. Amen? That's truth. That's what it means to be a Christian. Not an American Christian, not a European Christian, not a Soviet Christian. Yeah, there, are, there were those during the USSR's time. They just hid. You see, one day, this whole idea is that Jesus will return to earth to set up his kingdom. One where he'll rule firmly, deal justly with sinners. That's what Advent is all about in a future sense that we're about to celebrate. And until then, his kingdom focuses on redeeming the hearts of the lost. So what does it mean to say Christ is the king of this world? It means this is an unfinished world. There is unfinished business here because the world is made up of unfinished people like ourselves. And and even when we're at our best, we are not all that Christ intends for us to be as Davis made mention of earlier. To be in that first chair. How often do you actually stay in that first chair? And that Christ came into this unfinished world and made the ultimate sacrifice for us while we were not finished. And He has commissioned us to be in this unfinished world because the kingdom over which He will reign will be forever and ever and ever. Amen? This is the kingdom. The unfinished one He wants us to keep working on. And this text is all about the clash between the earthly kingdom and the heavenly kingdom. Jesus was a king, but he wasn't a typical king. He was a servant king. The symbol of his kingdom is a cross. The means of death and political power in the Roman world that nobody wanted to be able to see, let alone die on. 
And he takes that symbol and he turns it around and completely changes it to become a symbol of hope for all of his followers for all the millennia to come. It's the duty of us as Christians to represent Jesus here on earth. See, the church does its best when it imitates Jesus, who was homeless and who brought sight to the blind and helped the lame to walk and cleansed the lepers and made the deaf hear and raised the dead, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and brought good news to the poor. Just as Jesus' power was in the cross, so the church's most effective witness is when we do things in service and we sacrifice for people in need. Amen? But it's not in political connections. It's not in spectacular events. It's not in great architecture. That's not the church. And in that last verse, John 18, 37, the themes of John's gospel are restated. Incarnation, glory, truth. These are the three words that John is wrapped around the entire time. Incarnation, glory, and truth. Say it with me. Make sure you're still with me. Incarnation, glory, and truth. One more time. Incarnation, glory, and truth. But it's truth. It's truth. Which is a major theme of this gospel. And if you're in your Bible notes, you'll see every single verse in John talks about truth. And there are many, many. Things like Jesus is full of truth, 114. The truth makes us free, 832. Jesus tells the truth, 845. He's the way, the truth, and the life, 146. He testifies to the truth, 1837. The spirit of truth will come to be with us, 167 and 13. Truth. He came into the world to show us a new kind of king. And his power was power of love, not the power of the Roman sword. And he came to rule from a throne, not from a throne, but from a cross. He came not on a great horse, but on a donkey. He came not catering to the poor, but not catering to the wealthy and the rich and the powerful, but catering to the poor. He chose his inner circle, not from the elite from the lowly and the meek. He calls us to be just like Him. He calls us to take command and wield authority like He did. He calls us to give instead of taking. What a great reminder for a week where we so quickly switch into the taking instead of being in the grateful moments we have before us. It's almost like Christmas just tries to erase everything that comes before it. Like it's all we are. What can I get on Amazon? When's my truck going to get here? When's my tanker going to come up? When's my... Grateful. Giving. Finding way to serve others. Before we serve ourselves, that's the king that we follow. He's the one that calls us to love instead of judging. 
others. And the truth to which Jesus testified is the truth of the cross. Paul called it the foolishness of the cross. But Jesus calls it the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice, Jesus said. Okay then, whose voice do we listen to when we act as if the truth belongs to us? It's our own. It's our own voice. We listen to our own voice, and when we do, it becomes difficult, if not impossible, to hear another's voice, human or divine. Because only our truth matters. And we're willing to shout it, to scream it, to proclaim it, to post it on Facebook, to eradicate anybody else who may disagree what we believe our truth is. When we listen to the voice of our political party and our country and our religion and our faction and everything else to, and not everybody else, when we only want to listen to those who think and act like us, we lose the truth of who Christ is as King. Everyone who belongs. And we listen to the voice of fear and insecurity. We listen to the voice of our own prejudice, our own individual needs and desires, and our own experience. I know those voices. I know because I've listened to them. And they're often filling my thoughts that I can't break out. I've heard and listened to them. I know they're real. And they do speak a part of the truth. And they remind us the world is not always safe. Life is not always easy. But I also know this. There's another voice that is out there for us to be able to listen to. Another voice that speaks from a kingdom not of this world. And in every time and in every place and in every situation, there's always that other voice. It's always there speaking to us whether we can hear it or not. And it speaks in today's world and in your life and in my life. That's the voice of the King that I want to listen to. That's the truth to which I want to belong, something higher. That's the life I want to live, is listening to Christ the King's voice above my own and every other voice in my life. Don't you? See, a life that matters is a life that belongs to the truth. Say truth. That belongs to the truth. A life of truth-telling and truth-living because we cannot be sustained by a lie. We cannot be redeemed by a lie. Even a beautiful lie. Even a longed-for lie. To claim the reign of Christ is to put an end to untruth, which is harder than we want to admit. Pilate's reply, which is left out of this text conveniently for the lectionary, he mutters those famous words we all know. And they are, What is truth? And then he goes on and says he finds no cause against Jesus. 
but has him killed anyways. And he claims not to be acquainted with truth so he can perpetuate a lie and sleep in his bed at night. So today is a day for declaring our intention to have a life that matters. It began with a life of radical generosity that holds all possessions in our very lives lightly. Hold it all lightly. Say that with me. Hold it all lightly. That was the widow's might. It is a life of taking the long view and while living life fully in each moment, not letting this moment define all of our existence or shape our hope. Disciples take a long view. Say that with me. Take the long view. And then today, a life of belonging to the truth. Say that with me. Belong to the truth. A truth that transcends our limited perspective and allows the community to hear the voice of Christ as the guide and the hope for living a life that matters. These are only three things out of so many that Jesus could teach us. But they're three important things to understand and to know about Christ the King whom we follow and we pledge and give our lives to and we commit to changing the world and to bring His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. May we all seek to find a life that matters. Amen. So as we think about all those things and all those ways of all the stuff that is thrown at us and as we build our lives and think about how are we going to be as a follower of Christ? What are the building blocks? We've seen three of them. There's so many other ones. But the most important thing is to build our life around Christ. He'll provide the building blocks. He'll show us the way. We don't have to know the path ahead because He is the path. He is the way. He is the life. He's the truth in all.
this? There's only one place you need to look. It's not inside. It's not in your friends. It's not even your family. It's not in your co-workers. It's in Jesus Christ the King. He'll get you through whatever it is you're going through. Even when it feels like you're going through hell. Because when you're going through hell, you just keep going. So let's pause, take a breath between the turkey and the carols, between Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Let's pause, take a breath, and look for the signs. Listening for a realm that's not of this world, that's real, that it's true, that it's the reign of Christ. The reign that was with us before and is with us now and is still not fully here. Let's pause and breathe in this life of love and truth. God calls us into this world to embody a realm that is not of this world. Go forth in the name of the one who is and was and is to come. And may God's grace be granted to you and peace be in your life and among all those around you. Amen. Go with God today.